It's so, so cool. It sounds I, I, all right. So anyway, all right. <laughs> What's up, guys? John Sintes here. My man, Cass Kreitlow. Rob Hill from Driveline, the guy. We apologize. Uh, we got computer setups and things, and we understand this is weird with three cameras, and we are have a Google Hangout here. It's a little dark on his side of the screen, but it'll be fine. Yes, cameras, cameras are everywhere. It's okay, though. But important part is the content and everything that's going on. So, Rob, welcome to the podcast. Appreciate it. Thank you. Um, Thank you very much. Let's first start off and, and introduce introduce yourself. Tell everybody where you're from, where you played. You know, okay. you, you work at Driveline, um, and, and start with that. All right, cool. Uh, so, hello, podcast world. Uh, my name is Rob Hill. I am uh, the manager of technical development two at uh, Driveline Baseball currently. Uh, currently in charge of a lot of the in-house pitch design stuff we do. Uh, the pitch design products, so like the Driveline Edge tool, things like that. Um, I played at Skagit Valley Community College in Northern Washington and also at uh, Westmont College in Santa Barbara, California. Um, finished up playing in the spring of 2018 and have been working full-time at Driveline since then. Uh, originally started training with Driveline in 2014 and like basically all through college, interned the whole 20, summer of uh, 2017. And uh, met these guys uh, a few months ago at Driveline when they came up, asked a bunch of questions, uh, built, built some foundations of, uh, of some good relationships, and uh, just been talking to them a little bit back and forth ever since. So there it is. How old are you right now? 24. Can you tell me a little bit more, like it doesn't have to be like super deep, but can you start a little bit earlier, like Little League experience, just because a lot of our kids yeah. that watch our YouTube channels start there? Okay, yeah, yeah, 100%. So... Um, where I grew up, I grew up in Park City, Utah, and so we didn't actually have traditional Little League because it was, like, a, a relatively small town, so we had, like, Rec League, and then there was, like, Competitive League, but it wasn't a part of, like, the actual Little League structure that, like, happens in America, um, but my experience was, like, uh, in terms of what, uh, my experience, what do you, what do you mean exactly? Yeah, so, okay, so, like, I want to know, I mean, because Southern California's youth, like, you were just saying, like, Little League is clearly a thing here, where, like, I was in yeah. the same thing with that, we didn't even have a Little League thing, so, keep going, because yeah. that's, like, yeah. I want to know more about, specifically, what was not Little League. <laughs> totally, yeah, so there was, like, the, there was, like, the Rec League, which is basically, like, you know, anyone can kind of play, and it's, like, for fun, and then there was, like, the Competitive League, which was, like, super competitive and you know very like nose up to people and like if you're not you know xyz player you can't play in our league and like stuff like that uh so there's some barriers uh of entry for sure but um by and large baseball wasn't like insanely huge in utah so i uh I, growing up i actually would like travel to like california and come down to san diego actually live with my grandma play for teams there just to like get uh get more playing time and things like that so it was uh it was I overall like enjoyed my youth baseball experience for the most part there were obviously like some coaches who uh you know wanted to hinder progress and and would throw throw stones and things uh, for for whatever reason but you know I just had to just keep staying true to what I wanted and uh, make sure that like the play on the field reflected it so when are you getting more serious like how With old baseball? are you? Yeah, how old are you when you uh, Yeah, so that's actually a pretty interesting one. Uh, when I was thirteen, I was basically going to go to this one high school in Park City, or I was going to go to another high school, which was like forty-five minutes away in Salt Lake City for baseball. So I basically had to make the decision uh, in like the beginning of eighth grade. I remember me and my dad sat down at like the kitchen table and basically like drew out all the financials and we're like, all right. Uh, if you choose option A, you just go to like Park City High School and you can just do, you know, my background is in uh, musical theater. So I was probably going to do stuff like that uh, or like the arts uh, and just play baseball, but it wasn't like as big of a thing. But he's like, if you choose option B, we go 
Juan Diego. Uh, they were like defending state champs at that point. So it's like you, you go to Juan Diego and you are like committing to being a college baseball player at least. Like that's what you're gonna do. Wow. Like that's what your life's gonna be centered around. And I was like, all right, uh, yeah, let's go, let's go to Juan Diego. So wow. I chose to go. To, yeah, I chose to go to the other high school. Uh, just straight up for ball, and uh, yeah. That's interesting. You drove 45 minutes, or you guys moved? We I, we drove 45 minutes every day back in like each direction to go to high school, and then yeah. Mine was like 30 minutes, and I thought that was obnoxious. But yeah, yeah. I mean there there are definitely some days where you know like I was kind of dogging it. And my dad would be like, "We're doing all this," and I'm like, "All right, I'm sorry. You're right. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta pick it up. Like, gotta try harder." But that's an interesting um, concept though, because I feel like even for what you said and and how much more evolved that conversation is than what I grew up with. You know, I'm 33 and like, I was obsessed. You know what I mean? Like I didn't understand what serious baseball was until I got to freshman year of college. I had no idea. And then it was like, I went to a Juco where if people don't understand this, like Juco's have no rules to anything. And like in California, it's okay here, but we were having six hour practices seven days a week. Oh yeah. You know, like, that's what it was, you know? But for yeah. me, like, it was the first time where I was like, oh, I'm around a group of people that all want to do the same thing that I want to do. That was the first time, yeah. because in high school, I was the only dude, you know, that even gave any kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, middle school was a similar thing. It was a very seasonal town, but, like, all three of us have had completely different youth experiences totally. that really make the basis of, like, what he and I are trying to do. Like, we've had a very similar one, but, like, for what you said, like, it wasn't even close to the same, you know? So it's interesting how all of us have kind of reached this end point of understanding, all right, we want to affect the game in the yeah. way that we feel is the best. And yeah. it really derives from the complete situation. I mean, if I were, if I had your thing at 13 and it was like that, I'd have been like, yeah, let's go. Well, I don't know. I, whatever you say, sure. Let's do it. You know what I mean? Like, I am yeah. in, but like, I just didn't even have close to that option because like, just like you said with coaches, like I was presented with, everything of the opposite you'll hurt your arm don't throw too much um you'll have so many bullets like all of these like i call them catchphrases because they don't even make sense now they're just like like they're just like buzzwords yeah exactly and it's 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 an evolutionary problem that's passed down from generation that that keeps putting it over into it and like i think that one of the biggest reasons why we do this podcast and go to do just be like no (laughs) hey no you know like we just don't agree with what you're saying you know what i mean Yes, I think that a lot be a lot more people would be better off if they uh, did that sort of you know contrarian sort of thinking and, and speaking. So I, I'm with that. Okay, how are you getting into driveline? What? How do you start training there? <laughs> okay, um, so freshman year of college is rough, man. Uh, like really bad. Like velo wasn't very good, command was bad. Everything like anything and everything that could have gone bad, probably worse. Uh, so I basically just was like, all right, I'm fucking done. Like, How hard were you throwing I, at this time? Uh, my freshman year, I was like 81 to 83. I touched 86. Like, and and what school were you at again? Skagit Valley College. It's uh, like an hour and a half north of here. Yeah, yeah it's like a tiny juco. So, um, okay, oh, hold on. Before you go there, you were 81 to 83. You play yeah. college baseball. I think that's valuable on its own because we yeah, have a lot we're of people definitely that are like, you know, that just don't understand. Yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and not to mention, like, I, I feel like the, the way the, that our com- baseball community is right now, it's all D1 or die. Like, all, you oh, know, yeah, and, and then even then, like, just the label of it, like, you, you go to a D1 and then 
you know, as we probably know, it's like, oh, well, it almost doesn't even matter where you go now. It's just a matter of like what you do who can with help it you and who help. can help you. Like, how does your... If you build it, they will come. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, we just see that all the time where it's like, oh, well, you know, yeah. people, people, instead of taking a good business decision or something that's going to really benefit them, just want that label of D1. And then they go to that D1 program and it's like, it's completely underdeveloped and they come right. back and they're right. like, that we got drummed, you know, we got beat, we got beat 30. I, I remember going to a Florida state baseball game and trying to like decide if I wanted to walk on or like how I wanted to pursue it. And they beat a team who I was talking to 28 to zero. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to go to that. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't really seem like it works. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. anyway. Yeah. Anyway, anyway you, you suck your freshman year. Sorry to yeah, go ahead. Yes, I did suck. Um, well, sorry, one more, one more thing I was going to say is like, uh, yeah, like I think part part of it that helped was like I went to a good high school. And, like I was good in high school. So like even though I didn't throw like insanely hard, like I threw hard enough and I like could command a breaking ball. So that definitely helped me quite a bit. But anyways, um, so really bad freshman year, like pretty much just going to quit. Like I'm like, ah, I'm over this. Like I can't like. The, the fire, it was, it was just, like, very painful, pretty, like, bad situation just overall. Like, a lot of transitional stuff was going on outside the field as well, which made it worse. Um, but then, basically, I came back to Washington after playing summer ball in Kansas after my freshman year, the summer after my freshman year. And my dad has been, like, you know, I'm, like, dude, I'm, I'm over it, dude. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. And he's, like, all right, well, this guy, he'd been hounding me for months. His buddy at work, this is in 2014, so, like, August of 2014. Um, his buddy at work, I guess, knew Kyle somehow, like worked with Kyle a little bit yeah, in some capacity with like baseball, uh, with the Astros, I think. And uh, basically, he's just like hounding my dad, I guess, for months, like get him to go to driveline, get Rob to go meet Kyle, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, 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 like I can figure it out. And then eventually I conceded and I was like, all right, let's go. Let's go see this guy. And basically just uh, went down to the Puyallup facility, tiny little uh, cage upstairs, met Kyle, met Mike. Uh, that's one of my favorite things to tell the trainees now is like, hey, you know these drills that like the interns are teaching you? Like, yeah, Bodie like taught me how to do all of these. Like did them the first day, like showed me all this. It's kind of fun. Yeah. And like, uh, they're the only two employees at the time. So um, yeah, just like started throwing, started training there like two or three times a week. And then um, like a month later, decided to throw a pen and uh like with my old catcher from from my junior college and from my high school actually but um and just was like sitting 88 and i was like what is happening right now like just like like 86 88 86 88 88 87 88 and i was and just like dot 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 and i was like what is going on so then uh i basically like that's like a month in and then i go back to school um shove the whole fall just like strikes for days like well what'd you do tell us what you did in the months yeah yeah. literally just literally just like freaking intro to weighted balls a little bit of pull down and like that was it didn't like work on my motion just like literally learned how to throw more okay so so even even with that right there like that's it right like that's giant value because if you let's break that down because let's see okay so before that month yeah how often were you throwing uh over the summer, I mean, I was throwing like, I don't know, four, four or five days a week, maybe pitch once a week. Okay, so. well, so four or five days a week, pitch once a week. Did you have like a specific plan or do you feel like the weighted balls and maybe the, the mindset and the things that he was talking about might have like... Yeah, yeah, it was so it was, it was like a combination of a lot of things, like all kind of transpiring. It was like 
uh, I had a horrible coach in my junior college, just like a horrible experience with the coaches there. So I was pretty out on just like listening to, to coaches. But then luckily in Kansas, I had like an insanely good coach uh, who like kind of flipped my mental side around quite a bit. So it was like that. And then, yeah, like having an actual like routine that's like you need to do this because of this, this because of this, this because of this. And then things started to kind of click. And then it just allowed me to clue into like what I was doing with my body like a lot easier. So where in Kansas, by the way? Topeka. Oh, okay. I played in the yeah. Jayhawk League uh, way back. Then. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, okay. And then we, we just yeah, went out there for we just went out there for the NBC World Series. Um, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It, we, do you guys work with the studs a lot, right? Yeah, I, I played for the studs uh, a few years ago. Okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah. It was. It was. Hey, as, as when I talked to a couple of the older guys afterwards, like we put a future Max Scherzer on the mound that's seventeen, who's like from the smallest high school ever. And he like has the San Diego record for most strikeouts in his career at like four like four seventy six or something like that. But he's just like he's the biggest fish in the smallest pond. Like it was JUCO games over here, but like he can spin it and he gets it and he understands it and like he, he's really good. But he went like nobody credits him just because of the, how bad the competition is. Right. You know but I mean? that's yeah. the thing too. It's like that. That's the thing too. Is like you. You have to face. You just have to. Yeah, if you thing. are that good, it's you a different. Strike out four hundred seventy-six people in your high school career. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, you gotta do it. Yeah, yeah. you gotta do it. He struck out like one hundred and thirty his senior year. It's ridiculous. Like, oh my gosh, I can't yeah. even. Yeah. See, like, I, I had like a decent senior year, but like that's just ridiculous. So in this thing, I thought somebody said it was like you know top five or something ever, and I looked it up. I'm pretty sure the high school record is like in the eight hundreds. Yeah. For a high school career. Yeah. It, but it was like a lot, you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. 85 and kids could throw it. Yeah, it was it's some unbelievable number. Look it up. Look yeah, it up. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. 800Ks? He, he, like he had 19 strikeouts in his final game of the season. What do you like tell people after that game? Just like, well, and you know what? Unfortunately for the, the <laughs> people that he's around, they don't understand. They just, people yeah. don't see it. You know what I mean? So now that he's in junior college, and like, by the way, not recruited, like nobody, we kept yeah. telling people about this guy all the time. We're like, yo, hello, like yeah, this guy, you're gonna, yeah. you're gonna get this guy, he's 17, he hasn't even turned 18 yet, and he's already 6'2", you know, 200, like starting to fill out, good things are gonna happen, so anyway. Okay, so that's, that's interesting, because that's, you know, throw frequency and a better mindset and understanding is, is really big. And I, looking back on myself, when I went to Kansas, and got away from my university coach that I ended up going to and like started calling the games on my own. That was the yeah. first time where I started like paying attention to more sequences and stuff. And I was fortunate enough to actually have two guys, two catchers that were in our um, division in college because we had won the conference championship. I had pitched really well. I got um, all conference and then I got honorable mention all American and like, yeah. just like I just had an awesome year. You know what I mean? And I, the ball, I didn't really think about a lot. You know, I even got suspended that year because my coach took me out after I hit a guy in a no-no in a seven-inning doubleheader. Like, it was looking back, like, the most fun I've ever had playing and still to this day is, like, when I don't listen to anybody and I just go out and play the game, you know? So yeah. I resonate big time with what you're saying there because really it just sounds like you were able to find someone that got you in a good mindset and then you got to test the ideas and then it worked and you're like, oh, okay, so you build up the confidence from it. You know, that was, yeah, that was it. It was just like the confidence in, cause like I always had confidence in my body, you know, like my body had never broken down on me. I, I threw like a hundred and something innings, but like my whole senior year, like uh, of, of high school between like season and summer, like I felt great. Like my arm never had problems. I could pull down like 93 when I was in high school. And like, so like, arm, I, I was never, 
What, sorry? I wish I was falling down in high school. I had no idea what that was. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I was doing it at a different facility. No weighted balls, just baseballs. But, like, either way, I think that helped quite a bit. And I played outfield, so that helped quite a bit with, like, getting... Just to driveline now. So we got to Juco. We went to Kansas. Yeah, um, and then at driveline, I basically, like, they just intro intro the drills to me. Um, I, I honestly can't really think about... I can't really remember exactly everything that we did just because it was just, like... Here's these drills. Let's do these. Like they'll help you get stronger. They'll help like improve your sequencing or whatever. And a, lot, and a lot of it was just kind of up in the air at that point. You know what I mean? It was just like initial findings and like initial thinking of, of how those things like worked basically. And then so I just uh, did it for like a month, month and a half through that pen. It was like eighty six, eighty eight. Uh, went back to JUCO, continued to do the the program when I could, like or almost almost daily. Like continue to do the warm up, especially like rolling out, like all those sorts of things. Uh, and like the J bands where we're uh, walking wind up, like, sorry, geez, <laughs> wrist weights, shoulder tube, all that stuff. Uh, and then just like earn the number one starting spot on my Juco, was throwing like pretty hard. And uh, yeah, just like a complete turnaround. And uh, a lot of that is like credit to, yeah, like driveline basically giving me the confidence in like my ability as well as like my physical ability. So it was good. And then basically from there, I was just, I was hooked. And then like, got people to go there from my juco dude it's fun right isn't it fun it's fun oh it's the best yeah it's so much yeah every time we get like an older guy in here we're always like oh this is gonna be fun like we we got a new kid yesterday and like he's been following us for a while and he's he pulled down for the first time and like actually started understanding when we're telling him what the radar gun means on stuff yeah and you can see him like light up and he's like oh okay i understand like okay, if I move like this, or if I move too slow or something like that, then, then it exactly. goes down. I'm like, yeah, it's not, it's not a bad thing. It's, it tells you if it worked. Just know? information. That's yeah, all exactly. It yeah. It's information. Yeah. So what I'm curious to like get to is I, I want to kind of get to where we are now, but from, from your standpoint, like, I, I don't even, I, I don't know what your perspective is, right? Like, what is your experience from like going from a trainer to being the guy do, running the program um, and like the evolution of driveline with you, but also just like the evolution of driveline from your experience. Do you know what I'm saying? Sure. Like what is the company doing, but also while you're in it at the same time? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, luckily I had the opportunity to basically be interning and training at the same time, the whole summer of 2017 and like the summer of 2016, I was just a trainee. And, but then like I, I you know, would coach guys here and there cause I knew more about the program than a lot of the trainees did at the time full-time intern and trainee summer of 2017. So like I'm on the floor from eight to four every day, basically, or like seven to four new, new trainees. And then just like everyone throughout the day and then do my own training at night. Um, and, uh, yeah, like that's, that was basically like a pretty sweet way to kind of like bridge the gap between the two. And then, so right when I was like done playing, playing, I could just go up back up to drive line and hit the ground running. Cause like I already knew how to train people basically. And I had done it like, I mean, I brought all of Dragon into my college. Like, we had, over the course of two years, we had 20 players from Westmont go up to Dragon hitters and pitchers. Yeah. Uh, just basically because, like, I got them to go. Um, funny how that works. What, sir? It's just funny how college college players get it. Like, oh, this is way better. Let's do this. Exactly, yeah. And it, and it wasn't even like I had to sell anybody on anything. It was like no. I was just out at practice an hour before everybody else, kind of just, like, doing my stuff. Uh, playing catch with one of the coaches and then like one day our ace like came up to me and was like hey what is all this stuff like I've noticed your arms gotten like a lot stronger blah, blah, blah. I told him he signed up and then just like ting 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 everybody else just came along but um yeah the company is like definitely evolving uh from because like we're starting to realize that 
Like we're, we're we train a lot of people, but like we can't always just like get a more giant facility to like infinitely train more people. Um, so that's where you know the remote training sort of things came about. Uh, us traveling places to do assessments uh, came about. Um, it's just getting huge, and I honestly don't really know. I haven't really adjusted to it yet to like how how big driveline is is becoming, um, because it's like we're just getting like ridiculous clients and just like people are are wanting uh, to get like in like wanting to get information and get things from us uh, that like I never could have imagined two years ago when I was just like an intern here. Right. Um, and it's just that it's been pretty pretty ridiculous, but it's basically you just have to like ride the wave and continue to learn as much as you possibly can. So then when opportunities present themselves, you're ready to go. Uh, and that's the kind of environment that like driveline breeds is just like, if you're not learning, like if you're not actively learning things that no one knows yet, like you're probably falling behind your peers and like other people in the community. So it's, it's just like a very it, like growth mindset sort of place. Yeah. So the, it's like the principles, I don't know. Cause I'm kind of like, I guess probably my questions then are more in like the methodology because the principles haven't really changed from day one. Right. It's like, we're going to track everything. We're not going to just like guess. And, without, you know, you can, I'd rather have you articulate that part of it, but like a little bit more on the methodology, how has that evolved? Like uh, tracking methods and things such as that, or like, I don't know, like evolution of drills, you know, you know, things you've thrown out, you know, like we, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, first thing that comes to mind is we used to do like the decel walking windups and essentially it was just like having a one pound wrist weight on your wrist while also throwing pliable. And so, like, the, the thought behind that is just, like, improving, like, distraction force tolerance. Um, but it ended up just, like, not enough people had, like, the workload built up to be able to, like, handle that sort of stress. So it just, like, bugged some people's shoulders is, like, way too long ago. So we got rid of it. Uh, and just, like, it wasn't – the results weren't significant enough for us to be, like, yes, we're going to do that forever. You know, like, uh, other ones is, like, the – Distraction force kind of, tolerance. Would you mind distraction force tolerance? Can you – Yeah, so, like, distraction force is essentially just, like, the main force that happens when you throw. So it's, like, the joint, like – pulling out like joint distracting and then so like if you can't handle that sort of like pulling sensation of like okay internal rotation pull scap like upwardly rotates uh then like injuries can just happen so that that's the whole point of wrist weights uh basically like that's that's why we do a lot of that stuff but hey, um, just clarifying for somebody that might not know hey by the way that, no, that's that's the best way i've heard someone explain wrist weights by yeah the way. that makes a lot more nice. sense to me yeah um, yeah because I've had other people explaining guys have been a driveline and not, and when they and, and no one has ever because that that feeling right there that I just call it arm you know it's an arm dislocation that's the way he's explaining no, to me yeah yeah it's a controlled yeah, it's dislocation of the humerus as it goes in and out of the shoulder socket so yeah, yeah. I would say I would say it's like yeah it's, it, it can be the humerus or it can be like the the radius and the ulna too it's just, it's just basically just like it's a slight pulling on the joints and basically like over time that pulling can like strengthen it basically like make it more stable. Yeah, that's like joint distraction, basically. Um, but, uh, what was it? Oh, so like the rocker drill. We basically like don't really do the rocker drill very much. Um, Can you, because a lot of people still do it. Tell, tell me yeah. more, because I love that you, yes, tell me. Yeah, so the, the biggest reason we don't is because we basically did motion capture on all the drills. We had like a bunch of athletes. I don't remember how many, we'd like a, like a statistically significant number of athletes all do all the plyo care drills in the mocap lab. And uh, basically, like, the rocker presented with uh, making people move biomechanically worse than any of the other drills did. Um, what, was the main, what was the main issue of it? Uh, basically, so, yeah, it, it pretty much just, like, 
everything that people thought it was supposed to work on, it didn't do that. It actually made that specific thing worse. So like a lot of people said, you know, it's for timing up the lower half and like trunk stack and like uh, maintaining counter rotation, things like that. Uh, but when people actually did the rocker drill, their knee like tracked forward way yes. more, like their block was way worse, their torso opened way earlier, and yeah. it was just like, okay. So there's a very- I, I like, always felt that. I always felt that. We, yeah, no, and I, I've, never, and, and, I've never liked them. We, we talked about it. I've always like, it doesn't, it never made sense to me. You know what I mean? I'm I like, 100%, why, yeah. Why, I, why do I, I ever want to have my knee, my knee never gets into that position, you know? Yeah. Anyway. One, that, that's why, like, I started to modify my rocker, uh, even when I still did it back in the summer of 17. Like, I, I threw, I could throw it pretty hard with plows, but, like, it was only because of the way that I did it. You know what I mean? Like, if I did the standard setup where you're just, like, neutral, like, rock forward, rock back, and yeah. then, like, throw, it, it wouldn't work. Like, I had to set it up, like, uh, how can I show this with the, yeah, screw it. All right, I'm just going to do it. So, I had to basically, like. We can hear you good. Oh, you can't hear us. You are all this. Uh, so I basically had to like set it up where this was like straight and then this front foot was like almost all the way open. It's like I'm here. Yeah. And then I would have to go back forward and then almost like not let this thing go anywhere. So from here it was like counter rotate super far and then like slam this in and then just like launch over the front leg. That was the only way that I could like make it hard. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So we have because, a drill. Like, doing a normal rocker just didn't work. Do you want to do it? No, I, we, we, we can talk about leanbacks. Like, I, for the purpose of this, I know you don't have a ton of time, so people yeah. know what our leanbacks we'll, are. We'll do another like, one. Yeah, yeah. I would like to – you can't hear it. You can't hear us, but we can hear you. Um, we have a drill called leanbacks that yeah, yeah, I, 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 would, I very much like it. I would love to explain a little bit more because we have phase one, phase two. We can do that later, but he wants to focus on continuing to go from there, but we can do that another time. But, yes, yeah. I, we, we love it as far as a lot of the stuff that we try to work on. Go ahead. Well, we just know why we know what to look for in leanbacks. Mo moving on, so that that was that was no, one. I, I love that. I, that's a, that's a really good point because like uh, that's just a sorry separate thing. But I was actually thinking about that yesterday. It's like it's hard to teach a drill in its totality if you don't know what to, if you like don't know what to explain to the people about what you need to look for because you're gonna need to look for different things in each drill. So it's like I like the fact that you guys have like your own sorts of like sets of drills like the K drill and like all the, the lean backs and all that, because it's like, you know what you're looking for. Yeah. Therefore you can explain to the athletes what you're looking for and what can make them better. Yeah. And so it's like, I am a huge fan of that. Like, I, yeah, I, yeah. I that. yeah. It's all, I mean, for, for me and, and he helps me a lot with this because, you know, you said that 18 syllable phrase that like flew through my head and he stopped it and brought us back to it. And I had to think about it. You know what I mean? And that happens yeah. all the time because I just don't think that way. I think so much simpler. You know, so, you know, it's, it's interesting to listen to you two go through this stuff on my side. I just want to make a small comment because it's like, I'm always like, I'm like, I even said earlier, I was like, dude, I can't, I can't do it because it's like way too technical for a bit to just go so fast. So know? I talked to, I, I, this, this conversation has changed. So I'm glad we got to this podcast. So for the record, um, behind the scenes, Rob and I have been back and forth trying to have a conversation and I was just like, well, let's just have a podcast. And at that time I wanted to have a very specific conversation with you kind of like going back to our conversation when we first met and yada, yada, yada. And I had talked to Randy yeah. Sullivan from Florida Baseball Ranch, and and he had told me that, you know, we had like a 75-minute conversation, and he had told me, it sounds like you guys are really good at letting kids tell you how to help them. And I thought that was really, really good, because in a, in, in a time where there are people like Driveline 
that are you you guys are providing infinite amounts of of information for people to to have, and you are very good at disseminating that in a way that makes sense, right? But but not everybody is disseminating that in in that way either, right? So it's like <clears throat> it was just it, it was enlightening. So I realized that we're having a little bit of a different conversation, and it really is just where we're at. So I don't want to go too far into like where we're at as businesses and, and stuff like that. But that's really just kind of where I'm at right now with it is I'm not here to prove a point. We, we, we like what we're doing and, and we really love that our kids are enjoying what like, dude, I'm telling you, like, I love that our kids love coming to us. You know what I mean? So well, it's, it's, it, that's the best. That's like the best, in my opinion, that's my favorite part of like training people. It's just like when you know that like you have the obviously like you wouldn't be in it if you didn't have that back. But when you know that like it's it's reciprocal, like they're like no, like these guys are my dudes. Like this is the reason that I'm doing this, and like I know they can make me better. Like there's nothing better than that, and I'm I'm so with that. Yeah. I'm so so with that. yeah, I mean, and and I think that like especially from a hitting standpoint. Um, okay, so we'll start going a little bit more into where you're at, and I want to get to that the conversation with Stefan. Um, but just even like in hitting, I, I've been listening to ahead of the curve podcast with Jonathan Gellner and, um, who am I listening to right now? Elite baseball. I forget his name. Oh goodness. It's Matt Chapman's hitting coach. But anyway, um, you know, he's kind of like, there's all these trains of thought and it's like from the outside and not having to train somebody hitting. Cause I did a ton of hitting instruction in Minnesota. I'm able to sit back and go, this is so interesting that this ridiculous dialogue goes back and forth between these camps of thought. And there are clearly things that don't make sense. If, if I have to study your verbiage and your vocabulary for a year to just understand what you're talking about, you're missing the point because part of the point is the fact that I can have a conversation with you in 30 minutes and give you something that you can take away. Like that's what people want. And that's what you should be providing. You need to provide things that are accessible. Right. And uh, yeah, I love that. Yeah. And so like, we are also dealing with things that are much different than you. Right. So, so I don't have professional teams knocking on my door, asking me questions about what we're doing and that's fine. But that just means that I'm more concerned with the players that like, Oh my gosh, these little leagues around us, all they need to do is like simple, simple, low hanging fruit of like systematize this, teach your, your, your players and parents, just simple things about yeah. arm care and like just, pay attention to what everybody in the world is doing and you can make your little league so much better in so many ways. So Definitely. I don't know where I'm going. I, I got lost in that thought a little bit, but, um, that was great. I love that. So that's okay. So let's, let's go with this. So I know that you guys, and I know this isn't you, but you guys have youth that, that is a focus of driveline is, is you yeah. incorporated youth. I don't know your trainer's name. I should, I know, but that's not you. Can you talk a little bit more about? So, so it actually was me. Uh, oh, I actually ran the yeah, I actually ran the youth program for uh, from like July of 2018 till like January of last year, January of 2019. So yeah, tell me all about it. Tell me okay. like in your best term, like how how do you do it? What's valuable? What's important from your perspective? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the, the most valuable thing in my mind was just, like, explaining to them, like, it's supposed to be fun. Like, it's a fun Who's them? to train. Uh, the, the children. The, the kids. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Expl yeah. It's like the parents at that point are like, okay, we're if, if the parents are bringing their kids to drive on, like, we know they're, they're kind of with it. Like they fair, fair enough, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, 
like it was it was super fun. We basically just like I taught them all the drills. I didn't have to get insanely technical with them, but like some of the kids were pretty keen and, and they'd ask like pretty good questions. And so I'd have to like figure out a way. It challenged me a lot as a coach because I was used to working with college guys and like some pro guys at the time. So it challenged me to basically take the same exact information, but like condense it down to make it accessible, like you said, to like these smaller minds. What? And so, uh, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, tell me more about the, what the session looked like. Like how, what, what were you doing? Yeah, how did yeah, you yeah. build it? Just structure things so we can paint a picture yeah, of it. Sure. Sure, sure. So uh, basically, it was three days a week, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, they would come in. I'd say, what's up? Like, we'd, we'd hang out or whatever. And then, uh, uh, this is, so we would change, it, depending on the day, we would change the warm-up. Sometimes I would literally just put on the, uh, like, go on YouTube, find all the Fortnite, like, Fortnite songs. Because they all played Fortnite at the time play the songs and then have the kids just try to do the dances and like match it to the thing. Like that would be the part of their warm up, and, uh, just like, kind of like make it as relatable as I could with them. Um, so How old like, are they? You know, 13 year old, uh, they were eight to 13. Eight to 13. So some, yeah. So some, some of the 13 year olds were like, this is lame, but like most of the kids loved it. But anyways, so then warm up, uh, go into like basic, uh, you know, wrist weight stuff. Like uh, some of the older kids could use the 10 pound wrist weights uh, or sorry, Everyone would do the J-band routine, similar J-band routine that we'd do. Uh, shoulder tube routine, same thing. Uh, if they couldn't use a shoulder tube because they are too small, we just have them use like a blue ball and basically just like shake it in place, like try to get some oscillation going. Great way to do it. I love that method, especially even for like older guys, if they don't have access to a shoulder tube or like some sort of oscillation trainer, just like wiggle the green ball around. You'll be fine. Can't, tra um, can't travel with that at all everywhere. You know what I mean? Can't take a seven-foot yeah. shoulder tube all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, no. Yeah, like. I, so I, I just trained some of those Japanese guys in Arizona, yeah. and I just told them I was like, I was like, you know, this is a way easier way to do it if you don't have a shoulder tube, and they they took to it quite a bit. So I think I think it's good. I think it passes the test. Yeah. But um, so then from there, we're gonna do wrist weights. I, I wouldn't teach them the wrist weight pivot pickoff because like I, I've said for a long time that that's like the most difficult drill to execute like properly, and it, it like requires a lot more strength than like the majority of the other ones. So like for youth athletes, except for some of the older guys. I primarily just have them do pronation swing, two arm throw, and then like Cuban press because I didn't want to. I didn't want to get too technical and like take too much time uh, away from like the rest of the stuff we were doing to teach them like the wrist weight of the big. So it's just like made more sense there. How there how, how did you police this as it was going? Like if a kid was like, what was your level of like A plus B plus C plus? Like where were you like that's so bad I can't let it go, and like where were you like I ah, need to let that go? Like what's your filter? Uh, with, with which drills? Just so any like, of I, them. Like, what's okay. your tolerance so, for kids? Because yeah, it's yeah, different yeah. for a college player. Yeah, yeah. So, I honestly, like, uh, the the tolerance level didn't necessarily change. It changed based on effort, if that makes sense. So, if, like, a kid was going through the motions and, like, didn't care, and, like, I, you know, my tolerance would be significantly lower, right? But, like, if he, if he cared and he's, like, attentive and he's really trying but, like, still messing it up, then it's like, hey, no worries, man. Like, it's all good. Like, we'll get there. Um, so... Like, J-bands, I'm never going to be super, super insanely strict as long as they're going through, like, relatively decent ranges of motion and, like, and like passable, then it's, like, fine. Shoulder tube, same sort of deal. Wrist weights, I, I want to be a little more specific with them because they're just, like, a little bit more intense. Yep. And then, uh, so, getting into plyos, uh, the bigger kids, I would allow, I would let do reverse those with the green ball. Uh, the younger kids would do reverse those with uh, the blue ball, just, like, because you just don't need to put... We had some kids that were, like four foot three 85 pounds like i'm not gonna put a green ball in that kid's hand like i'm just not gonna do that and so uh yeah reverse throw um this is this is like an off-season program more so than anything so it's just like kind of throwing maintenance and like throwing games 
And so we'd, uh, then we'd go like reverse throw, pivot, pick off, uh, roll in and, uh, roll in, step back, walking wind up. And, but like, they just wouldn't throw like the blue ball. Basically they would just do like red, yellow, gray. Uh, the older kids could throw the blue ball, but, uh, yeah. So that was, that was pretty much how it looked. And then after they did like their basic warm up, uh, we'd have some sort of game. So it'd be like, you know, throwing to a target, uh, closing your eyes and throwing, uh, like fielding and throwing different position player type stuff. Uh, just like gamifying practice basically. And then from there, so it's actually pretty fun. Uh, from there they would go do hitting. And they would like hit in the cage on the hit tracks and they try to hit home runs and then they'd have like a, a small strength portion after that. So Yeah, so so okay, so you're gonna insert your podcast a concept here. So you talked about like throwing and training simultaneously. Like not throwing yeah. and then lifting or something like that. Can you imagine yeah. that in a youth setting? So I'm thinking uh, as soon as I'm listening to that, I'm going like, okay, we have kids, you know how we you know what it looks like when we do it, right? And like um yes right just kids are waiting and and this is common and very much appropriate in a good game of catch you're probably not throwing 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 so anyway can you do a push-up in between can you do something is that appropriate like so that's where my head's going am i crazy no no i i actually i haven't thought about it in terms of youth athletes i thought that it would be something that i think that like an older athlete should definitely look into but with youth athletes it almost makes more sense right because like they can tolerate significantly less stress uh, in terms of throwing so, like, adding in some, like, auxiliary things to help support their deliveries, like, makes quite a bit of sense to me, honestly. What, what, okay, we came up with two exercises for the auxiliaries. What, off the top of your head, do you have any idea, like, what you think would be appropriate for, let's say, like, a under 12U athlete? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, I think you could easily go with uh, some sort of, like, box jump of, of some kind, maybe like a, like a, like a, single leg box jump uh yeah. definitely a push-up definitely a push-up would be good uh you could pair with like a med ball drill that's something that i've done uh with like a roll-in pair like a roll-in or you guys uh i don't know yeah i mean you could just do like basically a med ball shot put paired with like a lean back right and then like uh some sort of like other other thing with that it's funny that you because I, I know what you're gonna say and i was actually thinking about this before um so do you want to say what you're gonna say and then we can talk about it well hope uh I don't know what I was going to say. That's okay. The, the other one that we like, and he brought up too, is like a, a lunge hold. Um, yeah, that's what I We were thinking yeah, like about systematically and how we rotate everybody through it because we have this basically assembly line of like going around these four buckets of baseballs and so they throw and rotate and throw and rotate so it just keeps it moving. You know? Yeah. And, and we were even thinking something as small as that because if, if we get six guys in there, there might be... 10 to 15 seconds between each throw, which is a perfect time for someone to do a, a, a lunge hold, you know, and, yeah, and yeah, just yeah. kind of rotate through it. So the one footed, we, he and I talked about jumping up and down on one foot, um, step back lunge hold, you know, or lunge hold, push up hold. Yeah, just simple stuff. Yeah, yeah the most simplest of things. All, the, all, that's, all that's great in my opinion. And also just like, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think that's a really good idea. I'm very biased in isometrics and eccentrics. Um, I, I have had just unbelievable experiences with them personally, and I continue to see people not display the control in those positions. Like most people do not control eccentric or isometric movements in their lifts or anything for that matter. So I'm just, I, I, I'm big on it. So sorry, I, that wasn't supposed to be weird. So you were, you were saying something about roll-ins and I'm like, okay, I'm curious because um, I thought you were going to say something like a roll in med ball throw, and um, anyway, sure, 
Okay, regardless, we don't do that, and I have done that, and I've kind of went like, that didn't make sense to me to um, going all in on driveline and like having as doing everything that you do to going back where I, I just, it doesn't resonate with me. I don't really care. Um, but I'm curious what your, your thought is on it. Cause I also know that like, I've seen some things from you guys where guys can, um, basically like walk into their same velocity that they can throw off the mound. Um, I believe like Casey Weathers could actually like do that better, like do a roll in harder off the mound or something crazy. So I'll shut up. Tell me more yeah. about it. So you want me to tell you about just like roll-ins, basically? I suppose, like, but just like that foot position, because my our 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 feeling is always just like I'm not going to put myself in that position, but I understand where you're coming from of like a separation standpoint and like making that happen. So can you explain to me more of your perspective and why you guys like it? Why we like that drill specifically? Yeah, but and we're yeah, really so talking about the back foot back leg position into it. Where, where it's facing forward. That's, yeah. what we, that's what we notice the difference of a lot of the yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's basically just like training uh, the feeling of like hip-shoulder separation. Essentially, it's all it is. And so it's like, it's just cutting out like the rotational aspect of the lower half. So it's just like keeping the lower half linear as if you were just like lunging or like landing, basically how you would be going into foot plan, but then trying to maintain like counter-rotation of the torso. That's, that's pretty much all it is. So like, we also like it just because like, good, bang for your buck. And in terms of you can like work on arm action stuff because you can make it a lower intent drill. Uh, you can make it a higher intent drill by like adding more of a linear component and like challenging yourself to like stay get close and stay close. Um, yeah, I mean, I it's just like another constraint basically. Honestly, I well, and, and I've been questioning it. I, it just made me question it just because um, you guys were talking about um, just uh, I think Steph Steph it's Stefan right? Stefan, yeah. That. Um, just like how important everything is that um, the pelvis is is like stable at, at front foot strike, right? And that, that is yeah. in a position that is going to allow everything to be efficient. So, yeah, exactly. So like how, whoever we're talking to, however we want to talk about the throw, that continues to be a theme and, and also a theme that I see in movement in general. So I think what gets me so jacked up is that I, so I just joined CrossFit like 12 weeks ago and it's baseball players do not do it. Um, but I love it and, but I love it because like I get to see myself, I get to challenge myself every single morning, but I also see other people challenging themselves and I am the guy that like everybody hates cause I talk way too much about the movement, but I'm watching people fail all of the time, physically and mentally. That's what's great and bad about CrossFit. Right. But I get to see where people get weak. Right. And so a lot of times you'll see people just like their upper half immediately goes into this. Like just anything that they do that's challenging, they just start doing this. And it's like, that's what their body thinks is strong. And I know that that can't be strong. Now, when is that strong? That's the question, right? Are there times when these things can be beneficial? And, and if you just like continue to do that, I, I think it can, re it has really informed my throwing and what I'm doing there. Um, last thing, just for the record, Learning a new skill set has been unbelievably helpful for me as a coach. Remembering, like, yeah. I feel so stupid all of the time. And it's, uh, yeah. do you know what I mean? And, like, uh, you know, I know the throw so much better than I know CrossFit. So I can find myself just being, how can you not understand this in my head? And then and being like, oh, well, remember when you can't climb a rope, you dumbass? 
Like yeah, this no, kid. Yeah. <laughs> so my six three butts not climbing ropes, man. My six three butts not climbing ropes at all, man. It's just not happening. No, I'm out on it. I'm out on it. Yeah, like uh, that's a big reason why I wanted to do this. Though this whole like the stuff on the podcast is essentially just like my brainchild of all right, Rob. You have all this great information around you. You have all this objective stuff, uh, but like uh, you know, you can use that. But like, are you actually a good? Coach? You're just full of shit. And so I pretty much just said, all right, well, fuck it. I'm going to do, like, some ridiculous stuff. The opposite. That I even think is stupid. The opposite. Everyone, yeah, and that that everyone is going to think is stupid. I'm not going to use the motion capture. I'm not going to ask anyone's opinion. I'm just going to, like, do stuff based on what I find online and what I think. Uh, And then, like, yielded some pretty good results from it. And then so it's just like, okay. So now I'm just, like, consistently trying to, like, do things that make me feel like an idiot. And it's like, okay, that's uh, that, it, like you said, it informs your buddy as a coach because you can say, you just have a lot more different perspectives now. Cause it's like, I people don't know what you're talking about. Sorry. I, I, we've read the, we've listened to the podcast. People that haven't heard the podcast, some summarize what, what you're doing. What, what are you doing now? Uh, yeah. So basically like I just, this idea that I wanted to, uh, after, after college, I had this idea that I wanted to throw really, really hard. Um, but I, that the conventional like kind of how Jonathan talked about at the beginning of the of, of the podcast, just like guys get stuck, and I was stuck. Uh, I was stuck at like eighty eight to ninety two for like two years. No matter how strong I got, like I was deadlifting five twenty five for three. Like I was pressing, you know, over two twenty five. Like squatting over four. Like really strong. Like it progressively just gotten stronger, but like my velo wasn't going anywhere. And so you weighed like, how much? I was uh, uh, anywhere from two. Like twenty five to two forty, I got up to. Like I was, I was, a, I was a burly boy. I was a burly you were t- boy. How tall are you? Yeah, you were six forty. Six foot two forty. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was two forty. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, I, I was all in. Like I was. Yeah. That's, that's me, man. Like I was all in. You know what? Equals gas, Dude, bro. You know, what, you know what I think about that? The same thing because he and I were talking about this too. When I was ninety six, um, when I was down south of Mexico, um, I was two thirty five, and like, I don't know. I felt a little heavy. You know what I mean? Like I literally felt heavy. And then now that I'm not See, throwing man. or training as much, like I don't feel good that, at that weight now. You know what I mean? No, exactly. And like, I, I felt okay, kind of, but I couldn't move how I know I needed to move, uh, to like throw hard. Right. So that was all I like. So first initiative was lose weight. Okay, Why? So lose much weight. Because I, I was listening to Stefan, honestly. Uh, and just like in general, I, I, I theorized, I said, okay, when I was a sophomore in college, right after I started driveline, I was 185 pounds, and I could still throw 86, 89, uh, touch 90 sometimes. I'm now three years older, uh, you know, 60 pounds heavier, and I'm still throwing the same velocity. Okay, I need to, like, marry, basically, the strength that I have now and the laxity that I had then together into one, like, animal. So that was basically the basis behind it. So I was like, I need to be able to have the strength that I have now or close to it, significantly better than it was back then. Uh, but just in a lighter body weight. So I can like move faster and more efficiently. And like, I'll just be significantly more stable. Like that was my idea. Like, I didn't know if this was true yet. Well, and so I just, go start. I, I just heard that fat is restrictive and I never heard that. I don't know if that was a view or somebody else. Like, is that a thing? Uh, I, I don't think I said that. No, okay. it, it wasn't even as much as like the fat. Cause I wasn't like super fat. It well, was, is so fat restrictive like, for movement? Does if you're it like, like, what? Oh, okay. Sorry. I don't know if I don't know if we can I don't know if we can concre- concretely say that. Okay. Maybe. Sorry. Sorry. I mean, to it felt like it was for me because I wasn't throwing a hundred. My bad. Keep uh, going. No, no, you're good. Um, 
But yeah, so it was just like, okay, first initiative is I'm going to lose weight, and then like I'm going to basically see what happens. Like I'll start throwing maybe. And then so I, I lost 50-ish pounds. I got down to like 190. Uh, felt, felt pretty good in like a six-month, seven-month period. Um, you can look in the mirror. And then I basically, uh, I had a bet. I had a bet with one of my friends who used to work here named Ian Walsh and yep. a bunch of my other friends. Uh, it was like, I just got to throw 95 in this group of people has to get like an ass tattoo of the driveline logo. And so one day last October, Ian goes and throws a pen just like out of nowhere. He's a trainer at this point. Throws a pen and he's sitting 95. And I was like, oh shit. And he goes, Rob, you got to go now, dude. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, I was like, I haven't thrown in six months. I've just been like lifting and stuff. And he's like, doesn't matter. You're the last one in the bet. You got to freaking go. And I was like, oh crap. So I basically like threw a pen after not throwing in six months. It was like sitting 90, 91. And I was just like, okay, that's almost as good as it was when I was like fully ramped in college at this. All I've done is just like lose weight and get more athletic. That's all I had done to that. This is last October. And then I was like, all right. And then that's when I really started looking like the Stefan stuff. I realized that like my knees were all banged up. Like I felt like crap. And uh, a lot of it was just like, like the barbell lifts that I was doing were just like too much for my body. I had like way too much neural tension. Like I just couldn't do it. And it's like definitely a byproduct of like my own bad form and just like it's like years and years of just like the bad things laid on. So I was like, screw it, not doing barbell stuff anymore. I'm done. Not doing it. Not touching the barbell. So I stopped touching the barbell. Uh, basically, just like allocated the majority of my training economy to like throwing specific things. So like kind of those things we talked about, like pairing workouts with throwing drills. Uh, I got a lot. I started doing a lot of track stuff. Uh, but just without barbell, I, bet I literally asked one of our strength trainers to write me a program that said, I said, write me a program that's going to get me to throw 100, but has no conventional lifts whatsoever in it. And like, I want to just do shit that I think is dumb and that everyone else is going to make fun of me for and see what happens. Okay. And so, right. yeah. Okay. Okay. Talk, time out. Time out. Because this is where I go. In my experience in my life, I've played in a lot of Latin American communities, and this is exactly what resonates with me. I saw a 12-year-old throw 90 miles an hour in Mexico. I saw him, okay? He was underdeveloped. He was 5'10". His arm action was weird. He ended up getting hurt and having Tommy John later, and then everybody blamed on that. But I just feel like, you know, he was... It doesn't matter. He did it. Exactly. Exactly. It was a swing-up drag, but it was 90. And it was arm side running. He located terribly. But yeah, he's yeah. 12 and he threw 90. And, he's 12 and he's throwing 90. Yeah. So then when I asked the trainer, yo, what has been going on? What has this kid been doing? Right? All they've done since he was seven is long toss, shuffle fire, and throw bull- bullpens. That's it. And then all of their other little one-footed plyometrics of sprints and box jumps and the way they think about agility and athleticism. Right. Yep. That's that's literally what I did essentially. Okay. Like, and and so like it, it's funny because he and I've been talking about this a lot about about since he and I met, and like that's been the basis of a lot of the things of the drills and the things that we've kind of turned into with stuff and how we see it. And like he challenges me every day on the ideas, and it's so cool because like if I I follow all these pages, I'm not sure if you do either with this Latin American pages and stuff, and they have yeah. so many different things and techniques and stuff that I saw when I was down there. And then, you know, even when I was playing down there too, you know, I, I saw other 18, 19 year old kids still in 94, 96. And granted, they weren't factoring in, in what our opinion is the number one priority to throwing, which is health. Like if it hurts, you shouldn't do it. You know, like these, I, I'm in on that. The, these dudes, these dudes ripping 94 with run, 
But then, like, going in the clubhouse afterwards and just being like, nah, I'm, I'm not going to yeah. use this arm today. Like, this is just, yeah. you know, and then they, the, the thing that they don't understand of the reco- recovery aspect of it is, like, the next day they just, like, don't throw and run run in long sleeve turtlenecks and full cotton yeah. full cotton gear and just sweat their butts off. And they're like, oh, yeah, I feel better. I'm like, oh, well. Or are you just dehydrated? Like, what's going on here? What's happening here? You know, um, anyway, but that that's what I got from that. And what with Stefan and the podcast, what I really liked was like breaking it down to as simple. And, and it, I try to go as simple as I can all the time, especially for the accessibility for what we're explaining with kids and especially for like the way Cass pushes me and then where my brain goes on a lot of this stuff. And it's like, the answer to me and for what I've seen and what I followed seems to be as simple as throwing more and like understanding being around somebody and an environment that can allow you to navigate with a freedom with less stress to be able to figure out how to get there yep. as yep. mentally no, that's, as you can. That's what it is. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's throwing more in that context that you're talking about. Yeah. Like throwing more in a, in a positive uh, environment that's like conducive to growth and like uh, learning essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, like that, that's and, and with people who know what the hell they're talking about. And, and that's our thing. Like, like I've, I've mentioned earlier, we had that new kid and he's a little bit older. Right. And he was excited. But he, he had, till yesterday, he had never thrown in front of a radar gun in a non game environment. It just never happened. And so like, yeah. he's over here shuffle firing and trying to figure stuff out. And he's like, you could see, as you said before, and we were all going like, Oh yeah, yeah we see the connection. You're having fun. This is actually, yeah. Somebody told you that radar guns were bad. And you didn't know why, and it didn't make sense. You, you're a smart kid. You finally understand. And so we're all just going like, okay, you did this one. It was 80. Do you think you can try to do this, this a little bit faster and, and see if it goes up, you know? Yeah. And all of a sudden yeah. 80, no, that's, 80 that's, turns that's, into that's 84, and then all of a sudden it goes back to 81. And then it's like his mind of, of trying, okay, I don't understand this. Like I thought I did this and it worked. You know what I mean? And that self-realization of like, what I didn't understand in college and when I broke my elbow was like, if it doesn't work, why are you doing it? Like if it hurts and it doesn't work and you can't throw the ball you want and your curveball flips out of your hand and you can't locate your changeup and your right. arm side up in the right hander's face every time because yep. they yep. keep saying things. And then the next level of that cue is just, well, eventually you'll figure it out. It's kind of like, well, come on, man. What are we doing? You know what yeah, I mean? No, I'm, I'm with that. That's, I mean, that's literally why I wanted to, that's why I just like, what's so radical with it? Cause I was just like, all right, well, what's, what's the consequence? Like, oh, I'm going to like my, I'm not going to throw hard. Like who cares? You know what I mean? Like I'm just going to abandon things didn't work and like fill it in with things that I think will work. And if those don't work, I'll abandon those and move on. You know, it's just like a, a, the ability to like radically change without getting married to like an ideology, I think is, is something that's getting lost uh, for sure, but uh, I think that that's that's what will separate like the best athletes and the best trainers. I'm down. Are you coming to San Diego? When are you coming? Uh, I don't know. Maybe, yeah, my my grandma lives in Oceanside. Oh, dude, so we're, we're yeah. 45 minutes. Yeah, we were just yeah, I was yeah, I just went to sure. TPI last week. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. When, hey, when are meetings are at the convention center here? I don't know if you guys are coming down. I think uh, I think we might be. I'm not sure if I'm on the roster, well, but it's dude, all figured out. Hey, get on the roster. Let's go long toss. I, I, I got a, I got a, a couple clothes here. Dude. dude, we got a football field five minutes from our gym. That's what, like, down. yeah, Woo-hoo. couple closers. Okay, so what's what's next? What are you doing in the next? I mean, I suppose we literally just talked about some things, but what's in the next three, six, twelve months? 
Yeah, so currently, uh, basically just hammering away at the pitch design certification uh, part one, uh, the pitch design coaches certification, and just like writing the course, writing the lesson plan for that, creating the videos, writing the scripts, uh, everything basically for that. Me, uh, Michael O'Connell, Dana Coyne, Eric Jakes, and uh, Dean Jackson basically hammering away at that. Uh, that should be released in the next few weeks. Uh, following that, we'll have the pitch design certification part two. Um, That'll be due in a couple months. And then just like basically training a ton of guys to get ready for pro day. So get guys ready for spring training uh, is, is a big initiative uh, for me. Like I have a bunch of guys assigned to me as my trainees who are like in organizations and they need to be ready for spring training. Uh, maybe their job's on the line. Maybe they had a great year and they just need to refine a couple of things, whatever that may be. Uh, or maybe they just want to be yeah, good. They maybe they just yeah, want exactly. to be good, you know? Yeah. And they just are coming and saying, okay, so I, I've never been, a lot of guys, you know, we get, I've never been given any information by my org. I've never been able to do this, that, the other. So, like, please give me something. They just want to get better. You know, people just want feedback. Just like kids just want to know if they're doing stuff right. Adult athletes are the exact same way. They just, like, need a little bit higher, like, level of it. It Maybe. Sometimes, some guys don't. Some guys are like, ah, I don't give a shit. Uh, just say it's good or say it's bad. And then, like, tell them what to do. I'm like, okay, cool. That's still yeah. a plan, uh, though. That's still a plan. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's no, exactly. Just... It's still a plan. No, I'm with that. Um, and then basically just get guys ready for pro day. So like we have our pro scout day uh, that like the, the free agent guys are like, like best of the best free agent guys that we have or like we're associated with basically throw in front of like pretty doubts ish and like a bunch of other people. And then, uh, so yeah, just getting a few, a few dudes ready for that. And uh, that, I, I don't really know what it looks like after that. Well, how about like, uh, how do you keep yourself like educated? How do you keep feeding it? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, uh, a big area of lacking uh, knowledge for me has just been like sabermetric stuff, and I've, like I've had to get I've had to get better and better at it uh, as I've gotten more into like pitch design, and so that's been something like Tom Tango's blog. I've been reading, uh, I've been getting into a little bit uh, as per uh, recommendation by some people. Uh, Dan Alcoin, who just like I work with, is like an insane resource for a ton of stuff. We have a ton of continuing education stuff coming down the pipeline, uh, just like within driveline, like internal education of employees. Uh, I get assigned like. I get assigned investigations to like, all right, find these leaderboards, uh, like break down this athlete's arsenal, break down this athlete's mechanics, break down this biomech report, just like all the time. It's just like constantly getting fed to us. Um, and then as well as like listening to podcasts from, you know, Cressy, you guys, Stefan, Jerry DiFilippo, like just anything and everything that I basically can get my, get my hand and my mind on. Um, I want to throw, throw right now with you. And I, and I threw live <laughs> yesterday, like, you know, yeah, I just thought I've never thought of this, but I, I answered however you will. What do kids need more of and what do they need less of? Baseball players, kids. Yeah, um, I think they need more like uh, like gamification for sure. They need more fun, in my opinion, and they need less like uh, end all be all result oriented coaching in general. Like that's like. Uh, the biggest thing that like I even even like last year working with some of the youth kids like 30, 11 year old kids coming up to me and saying my coach blah blah, blah like yelled at me for this and like how do I and I'm just like what? stop walking <laughs> people stop walking yeah. people like yeah no kidding yeah, like yeah we, we said well, kids time. are very impressionable yeah like obviously kids are very impressionable as you guys know and, and so they hear things online about drive line or this that and they're like drive line blah blah blah, blah, blah the Mariners this that and I'm just like. Yeah, I don't know. Hey, uh, my stop, favorite stop argument. What's your favorite argument for weighted balls? Like, what's your favorite response? I'm sorry. What's your favorite response? 
Because I have one that works. Yeah, like when people are like, oh, you throw weighted balls. And like my response every time is like, I'll tell you. Uh, for example, when people go, well, you guys throw weighted balls. And I was like, didn't you grow up throwing a football? Didn't you grow up throwing a football? Did it rip off? Did the football rip your shoulder off? No? Yeah, exactly. I, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. It's not the same thing. The shape of the object does not affect your arm. A football shape as opposed to... It could. We don't know. We don't know. Prove it. It could. It could. Uh, no, well, I, obviously, I, I if you would. Really agree. I think that I think my favorite argument is like uh, people like weighted balls, like blah blah blah. It's just like, bro, a five ounce baseball is a weighted ball. It matter? <laughs> it's still weighted. It's not like this doesn't count. Like this is zero. Yeah. Like, no, it's five ounces. Just like throwing and training should be the same thing. Yeah. Oh, weird, crazy concept. Yeah, no, exactly. And it's just like. If you want to get better at throwing, throwing other objects is probably a really good idea for that. For like bridging the gap between like feel versus real, actually increasing the ability of your arm to handle different stresses, like just makes sense. You know what I mean? Like fantastic. I guess dude. It, it, and it's obviously that I don't think that narrative will ever completely go away. Like weighted balls are bad, but I think that it's it's just like yeah, they're a tool that can be utilized and it can you know it can help you a ton or it can hurt you if it's not used properly. You know what I mean? It's like someone. Someone's suing a drill company because they drilled into their leg when they're like, ah, I didn't know this was dangerous. Like, what do you mean? Like, yeah, exactly. freaking drill company, ban them. Yeah. No more drills. Hey, meanwhile, like, meanwhile, probably same guys like, you know what? We're going to do a thousand towel drills today. We're going to do a thousand of those. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly, like, yeah. I'm like, I don't even use, understand. We're going to use a thousand buzz saws. A thousand buzz saws. <laughs> Screwdrivers, no drills. No drills. Those guys, that, those hurt someone. It's the drills fault. It's the drills fault. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, this has right. been fantastic. Thank you so yeah. much, Rob. Rob, yeah, um, you got anything else, Sean? Oh, dude, hey, anytime you're in the area, please hit us up. We'd love to you know, chat more. I will. You know, my, it's, we always, I, one thing, I, I don't know, you and I haven't really talked, but like, uh, when I did meet you that one day and you and I had that small connection while I was throwing and we were talking about things like that connection side of, of, out of pure non ego questioning is really where I like to come from with a lot of things. And you know, the, the, we tell people the conversation that we had with you guys when we like, we were there for three hours. It was very, very cool on the on one side so i want to thank you guys definitely for like just even just talking to us because we understand like there's a ton of people that have opinions and do this and that and like i just feel like the way i've done it since i broke my elbow i just have my take on it and i don't i know that i'm not the smartest person and i know i don't know the, the most stuff but i do know what i feel and I know what I feel, and I know what I can. A lot of people can yeah, say. and I know what I feel, and I know what I see when I feel, especially on me. And so, sure. I, you know, I, I think that us talking about some different things and concepts and stuff, and those conversations, and even what happens on this podcast, like it just makes it. It continues to challenge us, dude. Like it, it continues, continues to push us forward, but it also promoting the game of baseball this way. This is the right way to do it. This is the right way. It's not your coach yelling at you or getting a one-sided thing. It's the people that have had a significant issue in their life, whether it's breaking an elbow or you, you know, running into a block or you hurting your shoulder. You know, I don't know of a baseball player that is Justin Verlander that just hasn't been on the DL for his arm. Like it's everybody's issue, you know. Mm -hmm. And and even with him, when we. 
people you can relate to the better. Exactly. And that that's just a lot of the things that, and, and I know we have some bias and we point things out and this and that, but that's just like what I see, you know? I don't know if I told you this, but like I played with six guys differently in different areas when I was in Mexico and they all threw a hundred. They all threw yeah. different on how they accelerated, but the way they decelerated was like, there's a common theme there. I don't, I don't, this is something that I wasn't taught in the U.S., you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you don't and, know what it is, but you see something there, so you track it down. You and so when I tried it, that's where I went from like 90 to 96 in like this winter ball situation where I was like, whoa, okay, hold on. What? I have to rethink this whole thing now. And so that's yeah, where, yeah, that's where this whole thing changed. Exactly. And it, was, and it wasn't like, by the way, it wasn't like it was just one country. It was, a, it was two Dominicans, it was two Venezuelans, a Puerto Rican, and a Mexican guy. And I was like, what the, yeah. what is going on here? There's something else yeah. going on that I don't see because not to mention like they were not good people. Like they didn't lift, they crushed, you know, whiskey and Cervezas. yeah, exactly. Like it was a different lifestyle for them. And you know, some were younger, some were late thirties, early forties. And I was just like, wait, 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 you throw a hundred and you're 42. What are you the, are you the driveline translator? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How can we follow you? Tell us that. What should we do? Who are follow you? Me on the internet? On the interwebs. All right. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, at Berticus Hill, B-E-R-T-I-C-U-S-H-I-L-L. Uh, you can find me on uh, the Instagrams at uh, Robopotamus. So uh, R-O-B... The puns. Oh, the puns. R-O-B-A-P-O-T-A-M-U-S. There we go. Yeah. So, yeah, thank yeah. you guys very much for having me on. Dude, I really appreciate uh, it. This was great. Yeah. Um, well, we got to do this again, definitely. We have way more things to talk about for sure. Um, I love it. Yeah. You guys go follow Rob. Um, if you're in the Seattle area, don't forget to hit him up and, you know, chat. Um, oh, man, this is great. This is good stuff. I'm Cutter Nation, follow us. Yeah. Let's go. Cutter we got to go. Subscribe. Do everything. Follow Cutter Nation. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Follow Cutter Nation. Definitely. Definitely. All right.